welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, welcome again to the Defender Podcast. This is Rick Morton coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today, I am uh, minus my co-host, Herbie Newell. So uh, I can hear uh, phones clicking off all over the world as uh, as folks have just realized Herbie's not here, so there's no point in listening. No, seriously, we're uh, we're missing Herbie today, but we're going to have a great time, and we're excited about uh, what we get to talk about today, and are uh, thrilled that you're with us uh, for another installment of the Defender Podcast. And and so before we get into our topic today, which we're going to be talking about back to school with Lynn Beckett, and uh, I'm excited about this. Those There are a lot of you that have learned to uh, to anticipate this, uh, this edition of the podcast every year when we talk about back to school. Lynn and I are going to do that from a little bit of a different perspective today. And so we're kind of, we're kind of taking a little bit of a different angle on our discussion. But for, for a lot of us, we know that uh, the beginning of the school year is a time of uh, great excitement, but it also can be a time of a lot of stress for families. And so we want to talk about how we can eliminate stress and how we can really maximize the joy um, of a new season in uh, in the lives of our kids and in the lives of our family. But before we get there, we want to get to, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Run for One. So Lifeline's annual Run for One, our 5K and fun run that support the work of caring for vulnerable children and families around the globe is just right around the corner. This year's event will take place on September 24th. You can participate in person here in Birmingham or wherever you are, you can run uh, using our run where you are option. And, and so we will literally be having run where you are runs, runs where you are. Isn't that right? Lynn? Does that sound right? Runs where you are not, not run where you are runs where you are. Uh, we will be having runs where you are um, all over the world. Uh, we've had people that have run in China. We've had people that have run in Africa. We've had people uh, that have run in all of the 50 states, and we're excited about you joining us. So if you're uh, if you're up for running or if you want to do the run where you are option, like maybe somebody like me has done in the past where I just get a T-shirt and watch other people run, you can do that too. Uh, by going to runfor15k.org or you can see the show notes uh, here and and check us out on the show notes and that'll give you the link and all the information. So as uh, as I brought her in awkwardly a minute ago, uh, Lynn Beckett is here with me. And so Lynn, welcome to uh, the Defender Podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be back. You know, like you're like a regular, I think, you know, like you, you hear about these talk shows and things and they have people that are regulars, like you're a regular. That's a, that's a pretty cool. I think maybe we should, you know, call you like, uh, you know, like a contributor or a, uh, you know, regular correspondent or something. I think we should come up with a title. Um, but, uh, but Lynn really does have a title in real life and, and she is, uh, the director of our parent coaching program here at Lifeline and, and has, Lynn served in a, in a variety of different ways, serving 
working uh, alongside families in uh, in adoption and in support services and post adoptive services and all kinds of things for years and is a a wealth of uh, of information and 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 really a wealth of experience that she brings to the table in serving families. But the thing I love about Lynn most is that Lynn just Lynn loves families and she loves what she does and she loves the kiddos that we get to serve. And so it's it's fun to to get to serve alongside her. So Lynn, we're glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Thank you for those kind words, Rick. So we were talking off air uh, a few days ago in in preparation for this conversation about um, just about the beginning of the school year and the fact that um, we we have we've had numerous conversations on this podcast about back to school and Lifeline releases a lot of resources around this time to try to help families. But it's funny that I feel like we approach this. Um, like a little bit of gloom and doom, you know, a little bit of like, we, we kind of tend to come at this a little bit negatively. Um, and we were kind of laughing about that going like, I think that represents, you know, some of the anxiety that we have as parents, you know, moving into the school year and moving into this new season, but it, it really doesn't have to be like that. Does it? It doesn't, it doesn't, it can be, it can be a great time of, um, of a reset, and and growth um and so um and it can be a fun exciting time for our kids as well even in the midst of this big transition from summer back into that school routine you know i think when we were talking the other day i think the thing that you know for parents and and honestly looking kind of objectively at the opportunity for the beginning of school um as as the parent of you know some kids that have come from a hard place um i think the honestly school is a little bit of an exhale for us once we get into it because it provides some structure and predictability and things that we've you know probably lacked over the summer even when we've tried to you know we've tried to achieve that but we, we were laughing because i think part of the stress even that you feel as a parent is tied up in stuff like that list that gets sent home or that you get before school at registration, um, which is a little bit like a cross, like to fulfill that list feels like a little bit of a cross between like the amazing race and survivor, right? That's right. Um, That's right. You know, it's, it's like, we, I mean, I think you said, you said you made a comment about, you know, about being a public school parent. And I thought that was perfect that, um, right. Like we thought, we thought that our tax dollars were going to actually pay for our, you know, our kids' education and no, like literally we're buying at Walmart, um, one folder and glue stick at a time, apparently That's is right. the way this thing works now. Um, That's but yeah, I, the, so the, so we're going to, we're going to take the stress out of, it does not matter. Let me just say this. And for those of you that are parents that are at the front end of, of this, you know, journey, um, it does not matter what brand of folder you buy for your child. Um, your child's teacher will be happy with any brand of glue stick, right? So, <laughs> so that list of those very esoteric things that they send home, uh, you know, we've kind of found out over time, like it's not really all that important. And, uh, and, and your kid's education is really not going to be diminished if you miss a couple of things on that list. So, uh, <laughs> so let's all just breathe together and, and we'll, you know, 
but but honestly, you know, it, it really has changed a lot. We we because uh, again, off air, we were talking a little bit about you know the beginning of school when you know when we were younger, Lynn, and about like the thing that used to be like the biggest, most exciting thing that you got to do before getting ready to go to school. And you you had a you had a great story about uh, about that and and kind of thinking in terms of like how things have changed a little bit. That's right, Rick. We've been doing some some cleaning out at our home, and I actually found my fifth grade lunchbox. Now, because we're doing this audio and there's no visual, what the audience needs to know is that I was born during the Eisenhower administration, so I'm not <laughs> young. And uh, this was a metal lunchbox, and it had it was plaid. So this was even before they put superheroes and Disney princesses on lunchboxes. The thermos is long gone, but it was a metal lunchbox that had the metal bracket that held the thermos in. Pretty standard, pretty basic, but it brought back a lot of memories. It brought back a lot of memories of that fifth grade year and all those feelings that I had as a child. Uh, and, you know, Rick, as an adult, I look back because I grew up in a small rural community where everyone knew everyone. But I still remember those fears and anxiety as a child of who is going to be in my class? Will I know anyone in my class? Um, I remember uh, we drove to the school to see the posting of who was my teacher going to be and who are my classmates. And I drew what I thought at the time was the short straw because I was assigned to Mrs. Smith's class. And Mrs. Smith had a reputation for being a very, very stern teacher. She was the wife of a dairy farmer. She had five teenage boys. So she was no nonsense. She didn't put up with mischievousness. And um, so I was entering that fifth grade year with fear and trepidation. Um, and even everyone talked about fifth grade being a hard year academically because you're learning new things. Um, so there were a lot of butterflies in my stomach as a child going into that fifth grade year. And that may be the case for many of our children. There's so much new, new teachers, new classmates, new subjects to master. Maybe they're going into even a new school building. Um, mm -hmm. And so where are the bathrooms? Where's the cafeteria? How am I going to find all these things? Can um, often create a lot of fear and anxiety for our children as they start the school year. You know, it was funny when, when we were having that conversation today uh, or, you know, s several days ago when we were talking about it, I, I started thinking after you said that and, and like really identified with the fact that that was true. Like I remember those, those first days of school and every year being nervous and being, you know, just kind of, um, and, and the unknown was, you know, was a, was a big deal. And, and, and really kind of began to honestly took me on a little bit of a, you know, mental journey when we were talking about it to say, um, like, I understand the difficulty for our kids that have come from hard places because, because so much of their beginning many times has been built in that kind of unpredict unpredictability and more. 
Um, and I think, I, I, like, I'll confess that I think some of, like, our struggle in taking perspective is, one, we forget about how how stressful that was for all of us, you know, and yeah. and how how different that was every year to, to adjust to that. But then also I think there's a, there's a little bit of a sense as a parent that we kind of sometimes fall into the trap of saying, well, yeah, but our kids have had a lot of predictability since then. And so, you know, like they should be able to get over it and, right. and not really fully realizing that, um, you know, this for a lot of kids can be a trigger point that just really kind of sends them right back to that place of living in wholesale instability and living in wholesale um, upheaval and and the fact that that no matter no matter how much change we put in the bank over the yeah. over time in creating predictability that in an instant you can really be right back in that place of them feeling those overwhelming very powerful feelings and yes. and sometimes that's hard to see in you know in the heat of the moment yes yes and and uh that can bring frustration for parents um, to see even maybe our children regress a little bit. Um, our children may become a little more needy and dependent in making this transition um, back. So um, bringing that understanding and compassion for parents that they may need to, in those first few days and weeks of school in this transition, but they may need to uh, extend a little more grace to their children and wrap around their children in giving them support, maybe in some skills that they had mastered by the end of last year, things like packing their own lunch or getting their backpack together or even tying their shoes. Um, when, you're, when you're in that emotional distress, you know, some of those uh, logical, executive functioning kinds of things can kind of go by the wayside. Uh, that feeling brain, that emotion brain kind of takes over. And so our kids may need a little bit of extra help and support in the first days and weeks, um, getting kind of that fear calmed down as they make this transition and getting back into those skills and tasks that they can do and they'll catch up again. Uh, it won't take long as parents are being understanding and supportive of them in that those initial days. Yeah. And I think, you know, another way to look at this as well is it's an opportunity to, you know, really to, to be able to love on our kids in some really special ways and, and to be able to connect with them in, you know, in some really special ways at a, at a really important time. And, um, and, and so I, I think, um, being on, you know, being on the other end of this where, you know, our last one is going to school for his last time, you know, like this is it. We're, we're not going to wow. do that anymore <clears throat> after this year. Um, I, I think it, it kind of puts a little bit of a different spin on it to say, um, those years are not going to last forever. And, and that one of the joys in all this is that this can be a really kind of intense, crucial time where, um, a little bit of extra love and a little bit of extra attention and a little bit of extra leaning in with our kids um, is like there's an opportunity created for it and a need created for it. And and that sometimes we get, I think as parents, we fall into the trap of um, 
like we want to see we want to see those milestones achieved and we want to see those benchmarks met and we want to see that our, our kids are stepping and moving forward and all that. And, and so when we don't see that in something like the beginning of school and we feel like, Hey, we were better off at the end of last school year than we are at the beginning of this one. Um, I think it taps into a fear as a parent that we're not, we're not gaining the ground. Like we're not seeing. And, and so that means sometimes we double down, right? In, yes. in trying to in trying to work on those milestones and in trying to achieve those things when when in reality what this is, is it really just opens up an opportunity for us to um, to have an opportunity to be able to love our kids um, that's right you know better and more deeply this is a great op- like and I love that you use two words Rick first connection um, this is a fantastic time to connect with our kids. And there are three, I think, key times as we're getting back into this routine and rhythm of school during the day to connect with our kids. First is in the morning. We wanna make sure that we have really made a great emotional connection with our children before we send them out the door into that world. Um, You know, and that they um, feel that they that home is a safe place, that they're well loved, and that no matter what happens during the day, mom and dad are on my team. They love me no matter what. Um, and so I think that really sets our kids up as they cross the threshold of that school um, for a successful day. Um, and then that connection in the afternoon or evening, whether we're picking them up from school um, or meeting them at home, making sure that we're um, having that few minutes just to say, hey, buddy, how are you doing? How was your day? Um, getting some good food, snack, nutrition um, in them to kind of help bring their blood sugar back up, Um, being aware and observing, are they a little sluggish or has the day really revved them up? So what do they need? Do they need some calming activities before they move into the next thing of the afternoon? Or uh, do they need some activities that'll kind of bring them back up online uh, with some, some energy? And then of course, connecting before bed. Um, bedtime in that tuck-in time, even for those older teens. Um, hey, buddy, again, giving them those messages of we're on your team. We love you. Tomorrow is a new day. If it had been a hard day, God's mercies are new every morning. And then us extending that to them as well. You know, I think another another thing that I'd kind of like to throw out and talk about for just a minute, our, our colleague, Sonia Martin, who's been on the podcast several times and, you know, somebody that, that you know, we love dearly and, and respect greatly as a, you know, as a professional. Um, Sonia says a lot in, in talking to parents about, you know, the challenges of leave school at school. Right. And, and I, and I think, I think that, but, but we acknowledge that the messages that we're getting from school is, are, is not that (laughs) the message we're getting at school is we need you as parents to be supportive and be engaged. And we need you to, you know, play on our team. And, and I think, you know, 
one of the one of the interesting things I think to kind of think through in all this is that as as parents of kids who have a, a harder story and and have come from you know a, a much more complex background, um, teachers are sometimes like that stuff isn't always for us. And, and so yes. I, I'd, I'd yes. love for you to talk a, just a little bit and kind of break that idea down about, you know, like, what does it mean to leave school at school and, yes. and how, how do we do that? And, and, and as parents, how do we also battle a little bit of the rhetoric that we're hearing from school of, we need you to be involved and we need you to, you know, to, to finish what we started and all that kind of thing. Right, right. I think, um, yeah, I think there are two two key things. One is, um, you know, is scheduling maybe even a meeting once you know who your teachers are going to be to have a preschool meeting to talk with the teachers about your child, your child's background and history, what works well at home. Um, and what those expectations are. And uh, Rick, I know that you and Ann Mara, our education specialist, <laughs> are going to be doing a CEU coming up in the next mm-hmm. month uh, about something called IEPs and 504s, which are really big <laughs> words and government plans and programs. And y'all are going to take the, the mystery out of those, but we can utilize those as tools um, to help meet the needs of our children. So, for example, for many of our children, they have kept their brain online all day and their little brains are exhausted. So as much as possible, requesting that our children do not have homework in the evenings. Our children, because of the impact of trauma and stress on their bodies and their brains, they need downtime to recharge at home. And homework, I remember homework, Rick. I remember homework being a stressor um, between me and my daughters. Um, Mm -hmm. There were power struggles that were involved with homework that I regret. And um, I think that don't need to be there. So especially for those children in the younger elementary ages, if we can request that they don't have homework assignments sent home, uh, we don't want our children spending an hour and ending in tears because they can't get that 100 problem math sheet completed in, in the time that it's required. Um, there's a great book that Heather Forbes, who is a clinical social worker, has written. Heather has adopted Um, children out of foster care, um, and so is very well acquainted with children of trauma and works with schools and helping educate teachers on how they can help their kids in the classroom. But she has written a great book called Homework Help from Billy, for Billy. And so she has some additional great ideas of how to handle this issue of homework with families. The other thing that can be a stressor is the disciplinary expectations that schools have. And I don't know if that's what you were alluding to, but I know um, in order to keep control of the classroom, this is definitely understandable. Teachers have to have a system 
and your clothespin may be on the red light or the green light or the yellow light. And um, you may get pink slips or notes that come home about your behavior during the day. And so as much as possible, uh, we're going to treat school a little bit like Las Vegas. What happens at school stays at school. (laughs) So our kids don't need to have a second punishment when they get home for something that happened in school. Do we want to know what skills my child is lacking and what skills my need child needs help with in support of the teacher in the classroom? Absolutely. But we don't need to have, um, you know, second degree interrogations when our kids get home about where was their clothespin on the behavioral chart at school. So as much as possible, that communication between parent and teacher is let me know what skills my child needs to work on. We'll work on that. But as much as possible, disciplinary actions will stay at school. We as parents don't write a note to the teacher. John didn't brush his teeth this morning. Would you please hold him in at recess? You know, we don't expect the teachers to discipline on things that happen at home. So we want that to kind of be a reciprocal operation. Yeah. And, and I think, I think part of that is, is, is also realizing that when we're getting those disciplinary notes home, when we're getting those, that, that those many times, those really represent opportunities for us to kind of advocate and to give our kids a voice Yes, because, because there are, there are likely things that are going on that are adding stress and, and bringing, you know, a little bit of difficulty that, you know, quite frankly, and I'm not blaming teachers for this. I'm not, but, but I think, you know, realizing that a teacher has 25, 30, 35 students that they're trying to manage. And so they're, you know, they have kind of policies for the masses. Um, And that's where really to plug the, the CEU that we're going to do here, you know, in a few weeks is, is to talk about those things like, the 504 plan and the IEP and those sorts of places, but even a layer of kind of more informal conversation with teachers where maybe it's not written into to a legal modification document for, you know, for your child's education, but being able to sit down and say, um, you know, my, my child has some sensory issues. And so, or, or they, you know, there's some complex trauma in, you know, in their history. And, and so, um, you know, maybe when they're overwhelmed and they're frustrated, they need, you know, they need to be able to have a timeout or we need to put fidgets in their, you know, in their environment so they can get rid of some stress or, or maybe we need to, you know, think about being able to let them, you know, get out and kind of go walk it off and, and, and have some physical activity in order to, you know, allow them to kind of, you know, be able to recenter and, and I, and I think on understanding, um, one of those terms that I've, that I've become really comfortable, um, you know, talking about as a parent is, is the idea of cognitive load. And, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes what we fail to realize in all that's going on is that, that our kids many times are using a disproportionate amount of their, of their brain capacity. Yes. 
to fulfill the requirements of the environment of school. And so to sit down, be quiet, keep my feet on the floor, my hands to myself and, you know, my attention in front of me is is like they are. If you think about it, like the the CPU on a computer, all of us have had a computer at one time or another that had too much going on in it and it was slow and it didn't work right. And and that's a that's a really great mental picture for what's going on with our kids, that there are the layering of all of these things that are going on. And then we're asking them to complete a hundred problem worksheet um, in math. And, and so what happens is the frustration, um, like the load becomes too great and, and they can't, they can't manage all of it. And so sometimes they just don't manage any of it. And so that's where yes. outbursts happen. That's where, you know, that that's where negative experiences happen when when they when they just kind of and and I think disproportionately those blow ups happen at home. Yes. Because because our like they've kind of our kids are under the social pressure and they, you know, on some level they get it and it's part of what they're managing that they know they can't have those kinds of you know, eruptions at school. And so they, they come home and, you know, we start to let the pressure off a little bit um, or, or they're in an environment where they know they can let the pressure off a little bit and then it just explodes. And, and, you know, and, and I think, I think realizing that, that that environment is sometimes contributing to why homework and after school and all that so hard at home, um, that can either negatively motivate us to, to spiral up the emotion or it can, it can positively motivate us to say, Hey, let me go in and let me dig in and become my child's advocate and, and let me be a little more insistent about, about shaping the school environment in a way that, that helps that not to happen anywhere because they're not being put under that kind of pressure. Right. And, um, and our teachers do have a lot on their plate, but I, our teachers are also amazing and fantastic and often are so willing to provide these helps and tools and accommodations for our kids if they understand and know the why. And the other great thing is that many of these helps and tools and accommodations that we might ask for for our child will likely benefit other kids that are sitting in that classroom. So it can be a win-win for everyone, but you know, that's why this idea of connection with our children is so important during those three times of the day, that after school time of uh, being present for them, if they do have that meltdown, um, recognizing that intense, even as you were describing that, Rick, I was feeling tense and I was feeling this incredible energy that it must take for our kids to hold it together like that. Mm -hmm. So it's understandable that they need that safe place at home, um, to let off a little steam if that's what we want to call it, uh, and to regroup and recalibrate, um, their bodies and their brains. 
and I think too, Lynn, I would also say to parents, and, and this is kind of a word maybe from one parent that's been there to, to other parents to say, um, that happens to us too. Sure. Um, like that, that complexity and those things that our, that our kids are struggling with means that there's, there's complexity and additional stress that we struggle with. And, and I think what we end up doing is like we unwittingly sometimes become part of the, you know, part of the energy tornado there of, of like getting caught up in it. And, and that's where I'm saying like some perspective to be able to take a bit of a deep breath and, 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 and kind of use that, that thinking part of the brain that we have as adults, right? Like to yes. get to that place where our lid's not flipped and I'm doing the little lid flip thing up here <laughs> like everybody right. can see that. But but that we're, you know, we're in that place where we're not we're not in the same place that our kids are and we can kind of take a deep breath and then you know, step in and advocate. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give a little commercial for something here that, that I think at the beginning of the school year, something really great to think about. And that's, um, what, what you do and what you lead here at Lifeline in, in parent coaching and what we've already alluded to about bridge educational services and the things we do there. And, and the reason I bring those two things up is, is because I think as parents who are, who are trying not to live in, the tornado and are trying not to live with our lids flipped and in a reactive posture. One of the greatest tools that can help in that is bringing a third party in that can help to, to give you some perspective and, and to coach you a little bit along the way. And so, um, you know, there are probably families that are out there that are, that are listening, that are going, well, we don't need counseling. We don't need, we don't need somebody. Um, and, but I'm telling you, like if homework time is a war, if school is a battle, like it's not supposed to be that way, right? Like it, it's funny. not. And, and so if you're in one of those places where um, that's kind of indicative of the, the joy is, is sort of drained out of the school experience um, because because of the additional stress, a great way to deal with that in, in some level is um, maybe time with a parent coach to, to give you a little bit of idea capital to say, here's some things that you can try or here's some things that you can talk to with your child's teacher. Um, you know, maybe it's it's sitting down with a, a bridge um one of our bridge staff to, you know, to do an informal assessment or it's doing some cognitive tutoring or those kind of things in order to work on some skills that'll help to, to kind of get you past some of those, you know, difficult things in school. But I think, um, at, at the end of the day, um, we make those services available and we're here to provide those services because, because we really feel like they have, you know, the opportunity to help. And I think, I think one of the ways they have the greatest opportunity to help is by coming alongside and adding a little perspective and helping you to, to both be in a good place emotionally, but also to know how to take advocacy steps for your kids in, in ways that change their school environment and change the things that they're, you know, they're struggling with. And, and so I appreciate the work that you and your team do because I, because I see every day, um, that you're doing that. And I can, I can tell you, um, just, 
you know, give a personal testimonial. There've been a lot of conversations I've had with Lynn over the years to say, um, Hey, we're, you know, we're struggling in this place. And, um, and, and so like, give me an idea, give me a, give me a strategy, give me a tip. And, and that's, that's really, that's just all parent coaching is really. Yeah. It's uh, most parents have the skill and the knowledge and most parents are really good students of their children and they have an understanding of kind of what makes their students tick. But sometimes we can um, get a little myopic um, in our focus. And um, so a parent coach kind of helps you to zoom out and get that bigger picture, that bigger perspective and kind of uh, get through the muck of what's going on and uh, and give some strategies to kind of get back on track. If you're feeling a little off track with where parenting is going and where you are in your relationship with your child. And that's the most so, so- important is maintaining that relationship and that connection with your child. Sorry, I thought you were done. So I, the, and I, you're right. The, maintaining that relationship is the most important thing. And if you kind of are in that place where you think you need a little bit of help and you'd love to have somebody come and provide a little extra perspective or to, to give you some, you know, some ideas through experience, through, through parent coaching, um, how do people find you? How do people get avail themselves of parent coaching services? Right. If uh, they can just go onto our website and services, uh, if they click on the tab for services, that will pull up um, a link for parent coaching and they can fill out an interest form and that will get them started toward being assigned to a parent coach. And a little birdie told me that we actually um, have some reinforcements coming with parent coaching. So we're actually um, adding to our team some capacity and and we have some folks that are. Um, and, and so this is a really good time because we're in a place to be able to respond to the needs of families right now because we're anticipating the needs of families. That's um, right. And, and so we you know, we're we're ready and we want people to reach out. That is right. And. You know, this is um, this is not. You don't have to be in crisis to receive this service. Um, it may be for families that just want to improve in their parenting skills, uh, and even for families that maybe are not fostering or adopting, uh, but maybe they're having some struggles uh, with their children. And so this is really a service that's available to everyone um, mm-hmm. who may be listening um, today to the podcast. You know, I think sometimes from an from a, a expectations perspective that we we think in terms of things like the beginning of school or maybe school in general. And we think about them honestly, emotionally, we kind of look at it as something to survive right? Like it's just something we need to get through. Um, and, and truly that's not the way it should be. Like we, we want families to thrive. We want them to, you know, for these to be joyful experiences and pleasant experiences and for kids to be building, you know, great memories. And, and, and I think the desire 
of of our team, of our parent coaches, of our you know bridge tutors, all the people that we have have brought together in order to provide these services. That's the sum total of what we're trying to achieve: is to to not just feel like we're tying a knot in the end of the rope and hanging on, but but that we really are in a place where we're we're building memories of of some you know really great years um, in our you know, in our kids development. And so, so I'm going to, I'm going to throw one last thing out at you as, as we wind down our our time together today. And that is, um, what's your best back to school story? Like what's the, if I say, Hey, give me a back to school story. What's Lynn Beckett's best back to school story? Oh, well, it really was that fifth grade year. Um, and, um, because, of this repetition, this rep, uh, rep, this reputation that Mrs. Smith had, and um, I don't know if you remember when women wore buns, but Miss Smith pulled her hair back in a bun, and she had a comb, a hair, little hair comb that she would stick that. Uh, straighten her hair and stick that little pin in her her hair and um, and I remember going in fearful that first day of school um, it, it, the um, it, I did not have very many friends and my and most of my friends had been assigned to other teachers that day um, and so fear of where am I going to sit what am I going to do um, but we got into that classroom and Mrs. Smith um, had this great big smile. She was welcoming. She was warm. She was all the things that I did not expect her to be. And I remember leaving that first day with this huge sense of release and relief and, um, and excitement that it was really going to be a fun fun school year because she had laid out for us all the different fun things we were going to do during the year and the different projects and things that we were going to be involved in. So um, again, went in with great fear and left with great relief um, that it was going to be a great, great school year. And that's the thing we're praying for all of your families, that this is going to be a year a great, great school year full of building memories and full of opportunities to be able to see your kids grow and develop and uh, and 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 live into and become um, more of uh, who God has cut them out to be. And and so uh, we're thankful for the opportunity here to be able to um, talk about these things here on this podcast. But more than that, we want the opportunity um, to be able to come alongside you and your family. Uh, as as the Lord continues to write that story in um, in the lives of you and in the lives of your children, and so Lynn, thank you so much for um, being with us. And I, um, I I just I I look forward to this conversation every year because uh, because I think it's just you know one of the most vital and important things that uh, that that we get to walk with families through. So thank you for for your wisdom and your insight and your humor in the midst of um, talking about the back to school. And and we're thankful that you have joined us here on the Defender podcast. And, and we don't take it lightly that you continue to come back week after week um, 
and and join us for these conversations. And so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear topics that you'd like to hear on the Defender podcast and, and things that would be helpful to you. You can find us at uh, lifelinechild.org. Um, you actually can email us at info at lifelinechild.org. And if you have ideas for the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on social media in all of the major uh, social media outlets. And our handle is Lifeline Child. So whether that be Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or wherever, but until uh, we meet back again uh, here next week, uh, we pray that the Lord will um, will will keep you, and that the Lord um, will make His face to shine upon you. And we are thankful um, for the relationship that we're able to have with you through this podcast. And pray that you'll have uh, an incredible week, um, loving your family well, and and making Jesus famous. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.